Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. How are we all? Are we good? Are we well? I'm 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 all right actually. I'm all right. Uh, busy. Can't complain. Uh, running around all over the place. Was uh, supporting Clinton Baptiste last weekend. Uh, the the clairvoyant from Phoenix Nights. Uh, 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 a character uh, created by the wonderful Alex Lowe what a man what a lovely man um, yeah had a good crack with him uh, got to hang out with my mate Silky not seen him for a while and his lovely girlfriend Joe. so that was nice had a good time yeah it's alright and um, I just want to say thank you to everyone uh, for all your lovely messages um, it's been incredible actually you you guys are in. I, I love it it's it's you know, you do these things, I've said this before, but you do these things and you, you, and you hope people are going to dig it, people are going to be into it, but the reaction has been fantastic. People really want to, people really enjoy it and it's nice, it's nice to know, it's nice because I enjoy doing it. I love talking to the people that I have on and I love, I love being honest and open about feelings and thoughts and, you know, and, and I'm glad that, I'm glad it's resonating and making making other people want to do the same so um yeah if you listen if you again i've had some lovely messages if you if you want to jump up and send me a message and well, you know if it could be nice you could just go you know enjoying what you're doing or you can go why don't you shut up you're an idiot you know if it's negative then that's good you know, you know we'll have a chat and we'll work it out you know because i'm not here to upset i mean i'm here to bring the love man i'm here to bring the love you know that's all it's that's all it's about um so i want to say thank you to um Kelvin the Crane and uh, Amstotten Amst- Amstotten am I saying that right Amstotten for your lovely your lovely uh, reviews and stuff on, on the on the social medias and all on online um, uh, George, is, am I saying this right is it Georgie Georgie is it, cause it's, it's spelt G-A-W-G-I and it's either Georgie or Gorgie and husband Tim thank you for listening I hope you guys are well. Nice one for the lovely, the lovely, uh, the lovely uh, review there. Really appreciate that. Um, what have we got? We got uh, Mooch, your mama. Um, nice one, Mooch. Appreciate it, man. Loving your work. Loving all that you do. Nice one, brother. I appreciate that. And uh, we had Pandor seven one eight. Thank you again. Thank you very much. I, I thank you very much. Appreciative of you of the lovely messages and the reviews. Um, and uh, Mr. Madrigal, also known as Duncan Craig. Duncan Craig, thank you for your wonderful messages on Twitter. Uh, I just want to say you have genuinely 
made my you made my week. It's been it was it was such an amazing thing to read what you said. Uh, and, and thank you I, I mean I'm not that's the other thing as well I'm not reading I'm not saying all this oh how wonderful I am I'm genuinely touched and, and blown away by the response that, that the podcast gets so thank you Duncan and, and, and continue doing your wonderful work as well mate it sounds like it looks like you're doing incredible things um, you know men are, men are men are starting to open up we're men, it's, it's, I mean it's a long it's a long way to go and I know the way I do it is sort of unorthodox, but, you know, it seems to be working. So, you know, whichever way, it doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you do it, you know, is whatever. Find a way to talk to your mate. See if they're struggling, try and find a way in. If you're struggling, try and find a way to let someone in. It's, 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 we're living in trying times. We know this. I say this all the time. But we, we, we have each other. We do have each other. And we are, we are, you know, we, we're all going through it. We're all going through similar things. So let's talk to each other. Let's do it, you know? Thank you again to uh, Rachel Wells. Rachel, thank you for your continued support. I really appreciate it. Uh, and can you send that message again with that idea? I can't find it. I've lost it. So if you send me that again, that would be fantastic. I don't, I don't know what happened there. Uh, Noel Campbell. Noel, lovely. Uh, all, across, all the way across the pond there. Thank you for all your lovely messages and your support across the board. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Loving your work. Um, Danny Black, hope you're well, Dan, and uh, hope you're good. Hope everything's all right. I know, you know, like me, you have your ups and downs, mate. But I hope you're having a few ups because uh, you deserve them, man. Uh, mostly Bobbins, welcome back, mostly Bobbins. Uh, I believe you went off and got married, so congratulations to you and Mrs. Mostly Bobbins. Hope you two are fine. Hopefully, I'll see you at the. I'll see you at, um, at Forest Row at that gig soon. I hope. Uh, unless, oh, did you say you moved? You might have done. Hopefully I'll see you somewhere else in. I don't know. Well, I'll see you around and about. Um, and a big thank you to John Michael Keeley, uh, the Kilo 1977. Mate, honestly, your generosity, as I, I'm speechless. I'm so speechless. Uh, I'm not going to say what you did. I don't look like I'm, I don't know. I don't know. But, mate, honestly, you your gift has been was incredible my god mate that you you've no idea how touched i am by that um thanks mate i i really i really do appreciate it and i hope everything's all right where you are sir um so so that's that that's that bit i know i see i i, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like oh you should be reading out praise it's a bit wanky i'm like well i'm not i'm not really reading out praise i'm reading out i'm saying thank you to everybody for listening because that I really appreciate it because obviously without you I'm just talking into a plastic box so you know you're the important ones as are the guests that I have on um, my guest this week he's a he's, the, he's a brilliant brilliant artist you would have known you will know his work you would have seen it around and about the place uh, his name's Pete McKee Sheffield based artist he's, he's absolutely brilliant I, I've got a lot of time for Sheffield a lot of, a lot of my favourite music's come from Sheffield Pulp Bremen and the Makers uh, Richard Hawley, you know, Arctic Monkeys. Just, it's a brilliant city, very underrated, I think. And Pete McKee, his, his art, you can see, you can tell that it's a McKee painting. Um, he did one with a load of penguins, he did artwork with, he did the Definitely Maybe album cover with penguins, which I really liked. Um, 
But yeah, he's a brilliant artist. Uh, Toby Foster, who runs the Last Laugh Comedy uh, Club in Sheffield, has got a Pete McKee on his wall in the house that they put us up in when we go and do the gigs. I'm telling you, I'm gonna have it away, man. I'm gonna, I'm just one day, I'm gonna just replace it with a, with a stick drawing of the Mona Lisa or something, <laughs> see if he notices. Um, but yeah, Pete McKee, I was, I was, I wanted to get him on, because I love having comedians on, but I wanted, I want to branch out as well and get people on that, in other areas of, of you know, of, of the of the art industry, art world, the world, just people from all over the place. Um, and Pete very kindly said, "Yep, yeah, I happen to be in Sheffield, so I went across to his house, and, uh, and uh, oh, his house is amazing. What a house! It looks fantastic. I, it's genuinely how I would have my house if I if I was like that. He's, I mean, he's got purple walls, orange. I mean." I know, I'm describing it and it shouldn't work, should it? Um, so yeah, so this was in Sheffield a few, few months ago. Um, without further ado, Pete McKee. Your artwork is, it's amazing that, like looking at it now, I was thinking about it in the car coming up. Yeah. You can see, it's your, you can see a, a McKee work of art, which is quite something. Mm. That's what you want as an artist, someone to, to go. Yeah, yeah, Like, like Lowry and people like that. Go, that's oh, yeah, it, that's yeah, a Lowry, yeah. That's a McKee. That's the thing, that's what you've got to set off. That's you've got to be ambitious when you're an artist, is to have a recognisable style that does therefore then become that reference point. Yeah. So even when it comes to that point where people start ripping you off, then they can at least be referencing you and the ripping Yeah, yeah, yeah. people yeah. say, no, okay, he's just copying McKee. <laughs> at least then. You're the head of the crowd rather than following someone's coattails. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's really, really important because with art, uh, it's a luxury purchase. Mm. So you need people to be so confident that when they're buying that, they're not looking like idiots or whatever. Yes, so yes. the more people know you, the more confidence people have, then that it's okay to own, spend 40 quid on a print or That's a few right, grand yeah. on an original because it's okay. It's, it, it's, it's what it's, it it's is. Got, it's got validation yeah. to yeah. it in some respect. So it's really important and it's really nice. To, to have discovered a style that people can easily and simply yeah. recognise as well because obviously there's, there's millions of artists there are musicians or whatever and everybody's fighting to be recognised somewhere so you need that little oh God, little yeah. foot little up bit, that yeah. gets you uh, above everybody else in a sense yeah, yeah. Kind of and, it, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is it's every time I mean I didn't I'd met you at Toby's show at the BBC yeah that's when I first met you yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and it, it wasn't until I'd gone away and then looked you up and I'm like oh my god I, I already knew the work ah right so, okay that's yeah. yeah and then and like I say you can see it's yours there's a pub there's a pub by Hillsborough and they, did a, they do a gig in there around the all back right. yeah yeah and you're, you're all the football players oh all right. right there's all those okay right yeah. yeah and I was like holy shit that's that's, that, that's McKee's work and it's <laughs> it's brilliant like you are and then as you, there's that pub what's it called because of an F I can't remember what it's called, but you're, you're on the wall of the pub. On oh, the Fagan's. Yeah, Fagan's. Yeah, that, yeah, the wall art's fantastic. It really is. I mean, the kids now are using that as their calling cards, you know, yeah. um, street art. It's, it's the way that they're, it's their way of getting recognised now in, in, yeah. in, a, in a field that's so saturated and there isn't enough gallery spaces. And even then, are people really taking much notice of that? But if you can mm. get your way on a wall and on a street and thousands and thousands of people have seen it for free yeah and therefore you are getting recognised and it's, it's a great great springboard yeah that the, the, especially the younger generation using for to get recognised with their work mm. and obviously like with the likes of Banksy and stuff it's becoming more of a recognised art form uh, right yeah eye art fine art so 
So it's a great little calling card for that. And 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 for me, I love doing it because it's that free art. It's 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 yeah. basically nobody's um, nobody's having to purchase it or anything like that. It's just there for the people to have a look at. As long as obviously the artworks is is a, is of a positive nature and it's not yes. necessarily uh, offensive or anything like that. Then it's a power for the good. Yeah. And the the, the prettier that is, the the more beautification of a city, yeah. urban city centre, the better. Oh, absolutely! It definitely yeah. enhances the place. When yeah. You see it. Yeah. Sheffield's yeah. fantastic for it as well. There's so many brilliant street artists in Sheffield. Uh, and then have expanded to to be kind of worldwide known now. Uh, yeah, right, there was a guy okay. called Fleming. He used to all his groundwork was done in in Sheffield, <coughs> and now he's internationally recognised. Yeah, and uh, Kid Acton is another guy, and there's like uh, four or five Sheffield street artists, and you know it's Amazing. a little kind of mini Bristol. But so yeah. you know, it's it's up there. You know, people it's, know to come yeah. to Sheffield. Yeah, it's something I've noticed that over the years. I mean, come up here. I've been doing comedy 15 years. I've been coming up here for that time. I hadn't been before. I didn't, I'd not, never really travelled before mm. comedy. And so I spent a lot of time in Sheffield. And like you say, over the years, I've seen it become more and more. There's more art and there's yeah. more. I mean, it's always been, I mean, the music coming out of Sheffield has always been, mm. there's always been that yeah, there to has, a certain yeah. extent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you say, it's becoming more, there is more of a Bristol vibe. More of a, yeah. are the council behind do they get behind it? Or no, the council really? don't. I mean, they, they're they not trying to paint over it, but as long as you've got um, permission to paint on that wall, then you've really not got uh, any other okay. callbacks after that. So as long, as long as whoever owns the wall is... Is, is cool it. with it, yeah. yeah. As long as you aren't causing a traffic disturbance, that's when the car, council might get involved. Right. If it becomes like an hazard. Yeah. But as long as you've not created that, then you're fine. There's no problem. So it's, it's, it's has encouraged it. Yeah. You know, the council have kind of, I guess, stepped back from being too pernicious yeah, yeah yeah and so therefore i guess that's why it's sort of um grown a lot Brilliant. and a couple of years ago there were a big street art festival in sheffield and so that brought a lot of international street artists oh, wow. in and yeah again uh, uh, quite a few more walls got colored in and, nice and yeah so it absolutely is yeah i think it's great mm. i love it and i know a lot of people do because obviously sheffield very industrial city yeah and then when that all got sort of taken away it left, you know, it was all like the ghosts of what had been. That's right, yeah. And now, yeah. It, and now you're like bringing life to that. That's right. Again. I mean, Sheffield ended up being like a carcass after, um, like, when the, the steel industry sort of collapsed. Yeah. People weren't going into town to, to shop anymore. No one had, a lot of people had lost their jobs. So therefore, we weren't as rich as we, we were. Even the working class people still had money in their back pockets yeah. while the steel industry was still yeah. strong. Uh, but that stopped. And therefore, people stopped going into the city centre, and the city centre sort of went into a decline. And that leaves a lot of vacant spaces. But then, artists and creators always kind of creep into the cheaper end of places, no matter where you yeah. are, and uh, start to assimilate themselves into that and, mm. and start colouring in, <laughs> colouring in, <laughs> colouring in black bits. Yeah, so, and then the city starts to get a little bit more beautiful, and then the city starts getting a little bit more. Savvy with independent uh, businesses, mm. such as like little coffee shops or restaurants and the vegan veggie places or whatever, and bars that sort of aren't your standards. Yep. Fair, and they creep into those areas as well, and then it becomes this little cultural hub. Yeah. And uh, slowly but surely, your city starts regrowing and uh, developing itself, and Sheffield's going through that kind of process at this moment in time yes. where it's become this little independent city with loads of like independent um, shopkeepers owners and um, yeah. who are taking in like on Abbeydale Road 
Shadow Vale Road, where I, I my my gallery is, and at Neeps and are trying to take over these places now, right, and yeah. are encouraged um, to do their little thing. Brilliant, and it's just brilliant. So that's great. And then at one point, Nash Council's run out of money, but at one point they started redeveloping the city centre. Right, and it meant that when people arrive in the train station, rather than being the pig hole of the city, which most train stations yeah, are, yeah. when you arrive, it's always a shithole part yeah. of the city. They, they beautified it in, in a sense and paved it all the way up into the centre of the town. That's so when people yeah. arrive into Sheffield, they've got this fountain feature, which is water cans, everybody down. Yeah. Everybody feel vibing. Yeah, yeah. And you've got this nice little walk up and there's a giant piece of uh, poetry yes. on the wall. So yeah. then you get, yeah. so you're introduced it and you, then the first big building you see in front of you is a art gallery. So, yeah. you know, the, 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 there's the, some thought behind it. Yeah, there is. Yeah. So they're savvying up a bit, you know, and we've got an indi- the, 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 there's an independent cinema outside the city uh, train station. So it's trying to be a very, very cultural, culturally yeah. aware city, and it is. It's and working. It keeps growing. I, it, it took its time, mm. and, the, and the town still needs a lot of work, and it'd be brilliant if we could basically cut cars out yeah. and make it just almost like a paved city centre. Yes, and bring shoppers back in, so they're not necessarily having to go to Meadowall. Yeah, but we don't have the big we don't have the big killer shops in Sheffield. No, like uh, Harvey Nicks or um, or what's it, Selfridges. Right. So we have to find it in a different way, the city centre, and it has to be through independence. Yeah, well, that's the other thing they trying to make it affordable for people to. Yeah. It used to be you go, oh, I'm going to open a shop and I'm going to sell this. And then you do it. And But now mm-hmm. the rates are so ridiculous. Absolutely, yeah. You can't yeah, do it's it. It's a killer. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I, when when I took on the gallery, it was a massive, a massive gamble for me to take this gallery on. And I got this accountant and he said, well, basically you sell one pin in a month, you'll pay for okay. that. So that was in my yes, head. Yes. That's what I had to do. And that would justify the gallery existing. And we'll take it from there and see yeah. if that works. And that were eight years ago, and I've still got the gallery get now. Still, yeah, still rent it. You know, okay. I'm, I'm renting it off a landlord, and uh, I'm lucky because obviously now rents are going up everywhere, and it is really, really, really difficult yeah. to start a business. And also, you're in competition with online, and online it's it's so uh, balanced towards online purchasing and um, the tax breaks and everything oh, that right, they get. Okay. Yeah. It's so easy to order a t-shirt off a warehouse. And they have not paid for staff. They have not paid. No. In this, in the sense, they're paying. But the the outgoings that anybody has uh, in a little shop is is phenomenal. Yes. Come. Yeah. Just just to get that first sale going through your door when you wake up in yeah. the Monday morning, yeah. you've already had to pay for one member of staff, the rent, the rates, all that is piled in, and it's almost. It's, I can't believe people do it. No, no. I, I find it incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You think you'd be like, oh, I'm going to make a little cafe and sell buns. And oh, I'm gone. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah. You have to sell the buns yeah, for 20 yeah, quid that's each. That's it, yeah. You know, I'll sell gold bars and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And a very working class background for you. Absolutely, yeah. yeah and that's, yeah. that's something as well, because being, being an artist... You know, being in what would be perceived as like a middle class world, if you wish. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yours yeah. is very, you're very, you're still, you're still um, loyal to your roots. And yeah. I mean, that's something else I'd sort of, why, why I felt <laughs> a kinship with you and your um, work. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was brought up on a council estate and I didn't kind of leave that lifestyle right up until, say, 12 years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, I think 14 years ago, 2005, I saw my first painting. 
and um, I was probably one of the sk- skintiest I've ever been in my life at that point. Yeah. Uh, with a family of three kids uh, living oh, wow. in the council house uh, on um, income support, you know, working tax family credit. So I got like yeah. a job I were working. I know I've never been unemployed as such. I've always worked freelance or worked um, kind of menially, not menial, but you know, like worked at Tesco's, I've worked, at, I've worked yeah. as a postman. So I've always worked, 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 worked while ever trying to support becoming an artist. The yeah. artist thing was the main goal is to make a living out of my art. Yes. But until that point came along, I had to provide and work. Yeah, so you had to find that time. Yes. So you kind of balance it. Yeah, so forever fighting that and uh, payday loans and cashing checks oh, and stuff what, like yeah, that and red yeah. letters and envelopes yeah. and all sorts. Yeah. All that, I had all that right up until about uh, 12 years ago when I started selling work and mm. started to stand on my own two feet. And then the, one of the proudest moments of my life was basically never collecting another income support payment, oh, you know, yeah, family nice. tax credit. Yes. The, the day I could say, I don't need that anymore was yeah. the proudest day of my life. Uh, but I've always worked, always grown up uh, in, a, in a council estate environment, so it's never left me. No. You know, even though I've left the estate now, it's so much part of my DNA. I can't, it, it's... It's every time I sit down to paint a picture, I just, my mind just goes back to what I did in the council yeah, estate. Right. Where I did growing up as a teenager, trying to scrape together enough money to get this one piece of clothing, a jacket or a pair of jeans. That yes, yes. Feel cool. Yeah, you know what I mean? It. Or a pair yeah. of dockers. You know, the dockers were like, I don't know, 35 quid. And that's, that's like... It, it was a lifetime. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you, you managed to scrape that money together and you put them on and you, you know, they were your only pair of decent shoes you yeah. got. It made you feel so Oh, fantastic. God, yeah. There was nothing better. Yeah, and that's what, you know, I love that about the working class culture is that they, um, we love fashion so much mm. love looking good yes if they can just have that one piece so for me uh, I, I don't bemoan anybody dressing up nice even on, on a bread line and stuff like that yeah. aiming for that because it makes you feel so good absolutely it makes yeah. you feel like a million dollars because you might only have that one item in your, in your wardrobe that makes you feel decent but yeah. you're not rest of it shabby clothes or whatever that's it yeah but you feel like but you're that is so important absolutely, absolutely. yeah pride yeah, uh, it's, it's, that's why I think I was drawn to the mod culture when I was ah, yeah, younger. Ah, yeah, yeah, gorgeous. because of that. It yeah. just looked the nuts and... Yeah. But like I say, they only had one suit, but it was the it was yeah, yeah. the bollocks. That's and, it, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's, yeah. I think that was... I was brought up with my dad, uh, where he was considerably older, when uh, my mum and dad had me. Mm. I'm like the third, fourth child. Yeah, right. And um, uh, there's... I always said this that my main brother and sister, oldest brother and sister, they were like planned or whatever. Yeah. About a twelve months apart or a year and a half apart. Then the next brother, he was seven, okay. seven years apart, and he <laughs> were a mistake. And when I came in seven years later, <laughs> I were a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so my dad grew up like as a teenager, way into the fifties or whatever, and the culture then was there weren't any moss brosses or, or burdens. No. So everybody had to buy a tailored suit if they were going to, and That's that right, was their yeah. Saturday night weekend suit. So they were on the tip, but they were always tailored. And so he, he would always carry that on all the way through his working career. He'd ever, if he needed a new sports jacket, he'd normally mm. end up being a tailored one. Okay. And so I've always had that in my mind uh, that it's 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 um it's almost a oh, what is it? No, I can explain this. It's a badge of honour to be able to go have a uh, have mm. a well dressed, uh, a nice suit kind of thing. Oh you know? yeah, 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 It's pride again, as we're yes. going back to that. So on my fortieth birthday, I went to a tailor's and got myself my first ever 
Nice. Uh, tailored suit. Oh, wow. and that, that, that what was, a day that was. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah. That were a nice thing for me to do that, and I was really proud of that. But uh, yeah, so me, I've even lost track now where we've gone to. But yeah, my <laughs> dad matter, growing up. Matter. Yeah, my, my dad growing up uh, really kind of influenced me a lot, yeah. and how he he, he treated uh, our our challenges in life. We're always with a sense of humour oh, cool. and laughing stuff off, and I've always kept that with me. Yeah, uh, uh, to an uh, to an extent, yeah, for sure. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah lovely. Yeah. And did you have? Because we were, my dad wasn't into football, but he was into music. Yeah, and that's how we that's yeah. how we sort of maintained a relationship. Oh, that's good. You know, sort of. He, he took me to go and see my first band, and you know, when I was a teenager, so that was like I said, we didn't have sport growing up, but music. And he always had like there's always records on, there's always music on. And that's what kept us our relationship together. Yeah, it's quite a, he's a, a very intense man, my dad. He's a lovely man. I love him, but he had a shit upbringing, and and then that sort of filtered through into his, you know, his, his adult life. So, so what music getting, was, did he get you into? Well, it was Rolling Stones and oh, Dylan. Like, really, yeah. I was really lucky. When I tell yeah. people, they go, "Fuck off." Yeah, my mum and dad were listening to Val Dunican. Yeah, you know, not yeah. mine. Uh, so I'm really lucky to have that. Yeah. Was that the same with your dad? Did you? Well, have... my dad uh, was a musician, actually. Oh, um, right. Yeah, he, he worked as, as well as obviously working in steelworks. He he was uh, a pianist and an accordionist. So, oh wow! Back in the day, um, he, he did do the clubs and the uh, musical circuits around that. Okay. Uh, the the accordion air Wow. <laughs> you were like an eight, great eight piece accordion band. And he was all in playing accordions. You're all playing accordions, yeah, imagine that. No, no, so that and then he used to play piano in a pub. And so he was into like kind of the ink spots and stuff like that. And so I had that kind of in the background, but then my eldest brother and sister he was into like Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, oh, okay, yeah. Labby Sifri, all the focus stuff, early Elton John and stuff like that. And my sister were into the Beatles and the Stones and stuff. Yeah. And then my middle brother, he was into Alice Cooper and Queen. Okay. And so from like as from early as I can remember, music was just flooding our house. Yeah, there brilliant. Were records everywhere. Oh, amazing. And, and yeah. Forever going around through record collection, uh, seven inches, and putting them on as a kid. Like, uh, what were he? Roy Orbson, they won't oh, come yeah. back anymore or something like oh, that. Wow, so it's yeah, some old sort of yeah. records and things like that. And back home by oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the England football squad. <laughs> <spot. laughs> Played that to death as a kid as a seven-inch single. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, so pl- I'm so pleased. When I look back, I'm so grateful that yeah. that music around. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it, same yeah. with me. Yeah, I mean, 19, my brother got into Tom Waits. I sure got into Tom Waits really uh, in his early stage at Chris. So... I'm in junior school, um, not understanding uh, Tom Waits records and stuff like that. You know, it's crazy. You it know, didn't even occur to me. I was, yeah. I was just on the way here. I had Hunky Dory on in the car. Oh, beautiful so album. Bowie, yeah. Fantastic. What an album! But growing up, I kind of, I kind of knew, I liked bits of it, but yeah. I don't think I was mature enough yeah. to sort of get it. And it wasn't until, until well into my adult life when I started, it suddenly clicked. I think it was Space Oddity I had on. And mm. I'm like, oh my god! And yeah. then as I went back and started looking at, you know, Diamond Dogs and yeah. just, just it was amazing. But to, so to be listening to Tom Waits when you're ten, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, I know you did it. It's great. I mean, it just it were, I don't know. I just I did find it funny at first his voice being gravelly. I just thought, yes. But then the more you listen, the more you played it in the house, 
the more I understood what it was all about. Yeah. And you got the words and the lyrics. Incredible and the, the lyrics. melodies as well, obviously. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You just fall in love with all that sort of oh, stuff. Oh, I love it. Frank's Wild Years. Yeah, well, that was really yeah. late. I mean, uh, that was kind of his, his change in, in his period. That that was a seismic change, wasn't That's it? That's when he made beef art. But prior to that, for about eight or nine albums, he was on Warner Brothers, and that was all kind of his rock on tour period, oh, where he was like lounge. It was almost Jack Kerouac, yeah, right, with his uh, narration and his, his lyrics and stuff. And so that's all more piano and orchestral. Yes. And okay. then when uh, then he got kicked off of um, uh, Warner's Asylum Records, when he got kicked off of there, he just basically just ditched that old, old past and right. reinvented himself. And it's amazing. And what I love wow. about Tom Waits is. Uh, the the way the ability to reinvent mm. who you are as an artist yeah and that the understanding that people will accept that yes and it, and and the funny thing was with that is it was only one album away from him being uh, with a full orchestra yeah. singing these beautiful ballads to them being this boho um, yeah. uh, circus entertainer kind of character yeah. you know with like uh, a junkyard orchestra. Uh, but yeah, people accepted it massively. They just yeah, like kind just of into obviously him. they were big fans. Were sort of sight would have been rocked, but he opened up a new, yeah, a new era. And then people almost forgot that this is this was his past career, and then he were accepted as this other guy, this other persona that he's so invented. Yeah, and it's the same with Bowie, isn't it? You know, yeah. people. You know, what one year he's, he's dressed in high heels and um, a leotard, <laughs> and, and the next he's got a soul suit on. Yeah. And, you know, it's, and it's accepted. Yeah. And it's one thing that uh, kind of it's reassuring, it's encouraging that even when you think that you're at your flattest in your career or whatever, there's always scope for a reinvention and people will accept it. Yeah. And you can, like, no matter what your foibles are, put a different hat on. <laughs> be all right. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's what, that's a, a little life lesson there. It is. If you're feeling is, shit, yeah. change your hat, yeah, put another that's hat on. It. Absolutely. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but you find those people that, li- that think that way blow my mind. Like, when you look at what Bowie left behind, even the run up to his death, mm. when, when, when you found out. Like he, he, like he's, yeah. Like he, he, he even handled that incredibly, incredibly. Yeah, and I remember the last Perfection. photo. Yeah, it was absolutely to the day, mm. incredible. And then the last picture is him. I think he's on a rooftop in New York or something. Mm. It's a bit snowy and cold, yeah. and he's sort of like signing off. And you're <laughs> like, holy shit! Even to that yeah. point, yeah. Mind blowing. Pure artist. Yeah. From from the moment he woke up until the moment he went to sleep. Just was. His whole life was a Absolutely, was, yeah. was a project. And, and you're right. To know that you were facing death, mm. and he didn't go on social media and start posting about it and talking about it. He just kept it to himself, and he made it his own little project. Mm. How to deal with it? Was to write that album. Yeah. That yeah, was the yeah. way that he kind of communicated how he was, and just, like you said, just perfectly signed off, and it was just. A, Pure piece of art. Yeah, all I handled the way. that, and the fact that his funeral wasn't a great ceremony either, which oh. it could quite easily have been. You know, people would have gone into London and thrown the streets. Yeah, and, oh, uh, God, you would have brought uh, the place to a standstill. Would have done. It would have done. Yeah, it'd have been like um, uh, uh, a Vita kind of yeah. funeral type sort yeah, of scale, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. Kind of, uh, but no, he just no fuss. Just yeah, that was it, wasn't it? it? Yeah, yeah, incredible, mate. You had some health scares, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah. I uh, five years ago I discovered I got uh, problems with my liver, and uh, a year later after that, I had the first tentative steps to working out what, why my liver wasn't uh, right, bloods, okay. the bloods weren't going right, and I was feeling crap. 
I was diagnosed with their um, cirrhosis of the liver. Oh, shit. Yeah, and it was a, it was a massive, absolutely seismic uh, change because it turned out that I'd got a, uh, a genetic family condition. Uh, it's a rare genetic right. um, uh, disorder I'd got, and um, it's called alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. So we all produce this thing called um, uh, alpha-1 antitrypsin. Okay. And it's produced in our liver. And basically, it fights infections in our lungs. Right. Oh wow. So it's an enzyme. Yeah. So we all have that, and so and uh, when people have got a deficiency, and what that deficiency is is basically our cell, our our uh, enzyme sticks together, it glues together, mm. so it won't pass through the liver. Okay. And into the bloodstream, or and yeah. start helping fight infections. So if you've got this particular condition, it will more likely affect your lungs. Right. And you'll get chronic lung disease later on in life normally if you're not especially if you're not smoking you can last till you're about 18 not even know you've got it it's that kind of thing yeah yeah but for some reason mine just basically and it can is uh, damage your liver and that was the case in in general for me but i was also like kind of like everybody else like going to the pub for a pint with your mates yeah so yeah four four pints of a friday and four pints or five pints on a saturday happy days no problem go out to a restaurant have a few drinks so when the uh, specialist sort of sat me and my wife down and said, well, yeah, we've looked at these. Cause every, because until I, I had that particular meeting, I sat down right up until going through that door and sitting down. Even though <laughs> I was having tests on my liver, I was going to see a liver specialist. Even though everyone was saying, well, Pete, you'll not have a wrong with your liver. You, yeah, you know, yeah. you're, you're strong as an ox, mate. Yeah, yeah. You're all right. Yeah, it was just probably some... Uh, something normal yeah. <laughs> and they're going to tell you that it's all right carry on as you are and I'm thinking yeah that's what it's got to be and then she sat me down and says yeah you've got um, stress of the liver and uh, stop drinking Shit. and that was it they were the two things basically and, and not much else after that really not oh. really any much advice so, can, can I eat anything yeah. to make it better no just stop drinking and we'll keep monitoring you and that was, that was it. it and they just like went out in a cold the cold light of the shock of it and the, in the day I remember it so well going through the hospital doors the sun was still shining yeah uh, and I mean look turns to my wife said well that's that then isn't it it's a complete and utter life change just, yeah. now I've got to now just just cut it, cut it all out I mean I would obviously through the the period up to being given the diagnosis you have to have loads of you have to have um, blood tests and for those blood tests you're not allowed to drink okay and stuff like that and that's fine and you, you're doing that you think it it's for four weeks I'll, I'll survive that and four mm. weeks over Christmas no problem and all that but you're you're assuming the goal is that they'll just tell you to behave yourself and you'll mm. be alright but this was a complete side just that's it no. and I wasn't appreciative of how damaged my liver was to, to get to that point and so it was a complete and utter abstinence and that was fine I handled that yeah um stop straight away and that were fine but you're still in your head you're dealing with that mm. you're dealing with that idea of because you see similarly so Adrian Charles uh, went through a similar thing okay. with his drinking which was interesting is because how socially conditioned we are to have a drink yes no yeah. matter what I mean if we had not, if we'd have met in a pub and before I stopped drinking and did yeah. this conversation there'd be a pint in front of us absolutely you wouldn't have been a question about it no you just, just go, yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah, but now we're having a cup of tea and it's in our house, <laughs> and that's fine. And so then you're battling with that all the time because I've got a, quite a social um, lifestyle. Yeah, well, you've got the band as well, haven't you? I've got you? the band, yeah, and they notoriously are 
a band that's around the drinking culture mm. and singing and uh, they're yes. always playing to people who are just as drunk as everyone yeah, else who's on stage it. kind yeah. of thing so that's part of that then you're meeting people for say commission means or you're going to an event yeah. where it's a launch or something and there's always free drink everywhere so it's it, it revolves around that and you know it revolves around that when you ask go to a bar and say have you got what alcohol free drinks you got until we don't have any no yes because it's yeah. just not that's not part of our culture and so that's the bit that's the difficulty mm. and not drinking it's just being in a situation where everyone else is drinking yes and alcohol, you haven't yeah. got that there isn't oh, yeah. there isn't yeah. a way to escape that no I'm really. say when I go out I mean, there's nothing wrong, but yeah. you get to a point. You go, I'm, I shouldn't be. I'm having a pint again. Like I had a pint mm. yesterday. Yeah, I'm gonna go. All right, I've got to go and meet someone. I, yeah. I'm, I'm not drinking tonight. But straight away, do you want a pint? You go, yeah. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> and it's, it's just there, yeah, like you yeah. say. Yeah. So that was the big one. The big one really was trying to readjust my brain socially mm. to no longer need to have to have a drink with everybody else. Yeah. And you get over that. And obviously, the 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 the, the big incentive was. You're going to die if you drink. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, there is that. Really good incentive. Have all the incentives there are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was a really odd one that as well. That was it was really a really selfish thought came into my mind was I was really peed off that I had to stop drinking because it weren't my choice. I was told. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, it goes you back know, to your kid yeah, when you're a kid. Yeah. So it was like if I'd have made that decision for health reasons, you know what? I think I'm drinking too much. Or I've had enough of drink now. I'm going to just pack it in, focus. Yeah. Then it's my decision. Yes, yeah. But it wasn't my decision. <laughs> I'm enjoying going to the pub, no problem. Think that's the yeah. man in yeah, you, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. So now I've got that. So, so that was the biggest bug, but it weren't my choice. Yes. So it's something that was forced upon me, and I had to deal with it in that way. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is made by Dark Horse Digital. Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production. I'm like, you know, five years on, four years on now. I'm two years off. And my, um, funnily enough, this is uh, two years from post-transplant this month. Wow. 
So that's fantastic, and that's great. How do you feel? You feel you're all... I feel really yeah. great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely do. I feel the best I've ever had them. Funnily enough, because I didn't appreciate how well I was leading up to being diagnosed. Right, of course. Because liver disease is a slow burn mm. for anybody with it, because your liver is really quite a strong yeah. organ. It's inert, so it's not pumping away. Right. It's just there. Just there, and, and it's, it's doing its job. Doing and... its job, so you can survive quite happily with half it not functioning even like right. up until about a third or a quarter's left of your liver working. Yeah. You're still all right now. Okay. You still live. And uh, so you're not appreciative. And then it got to this point where I'd go out and have three pints and then I'd have a two-day hangover and feel no. utterly dreadful. Right, yeah, and course, your body's yeah. just not coping with what you're giving it. No. Your liver's not, le- there's not enough of your liver left to deal with yeah. the, what it's supposed to do with everything yeah. else that you're eating. And then you start going, well, I'm not drinking a lot. I'm yeah. only having a bit. And That's it. I wrote that yeah. sentence. How come I'm still feeling chronic? And then I kept feeling really, really cold mm. all the time in the summer. I'm wearing three jumpers in the winter and stuff. And, and that basically, is, you live as this massive organ that just sits under your rib cage, And mm. it's like a central eating system. Yeah. So when that starts shoveling up and packing in, you haven't got that heat within your inner core, so you get cold all the time. I didn't realise this at the wow, time. Wow, I didn't know that at all. No, so that was a symptom that brought me in. Uh, mm. And I was absolutely, I was always forever like kind of collapsing um, with um, uh, not having enough energy. Yeah. You know, what, what's it called when you're... Uh, you're just hyperglycemic. Yeah, yeah, you're having like basically sugar energy. crashes, basically. Oh, okay. You know, right, you just get yeah, your energy yeah. in. And so I'd be playing like squash me with my kid. Uh, racquetball, sorry, and I'd have to stop halfway through, get a Mars bar and a banana, and run back on back into court because I was just yeah. completely shaking. just probably crashing. Yeah, shaking and everything, and that would that would before I were diagnosed as well. So, went in, got this day, said, oh, I've got this symptom. I'm always cold. and really feel really weak. I keep, you know, wanting to collapse and stuff like mm. this. And said, hmm, we'll do some blood tests. Uh, and they knew exactly what it was, yeah. these symptoms, but they're not letting on. Like I say, no, so no, when no. I got to that point where I actually said liver specialist, I still didn't realise. <laughs> if you don't so, know what it does, yeah, you don't know what it exactly, does, you know. Yeah, and then you, then you start learning a lot. And bless, I had a really like kind of, I had a fantastic mentor while going through this, a, a fellow um, classmate of mine, Sean Bloodworth. Yeah, we, we grew up together uh, in school. Mm. And then we parted our separate ways. He became this fantastic photographer in Sheffield, knew his work through me being an artist and exhibitions and stuff like that. And then just as chance class reunion we had, uh, just after I'd been told not to drink and have these blood tests, I met him in this, uh, we we had a class reunion in this pub, so I'm drinking soda water and he's drinking soda water. I said, oh, I've I've been told by my doctor not to to drink Mm. because I'm having these blood tests about my liver. And he went... Whatever they say, just do what they say. Because last thing you want to do is to be in a state where I'm at. I said, what's that? And he says, well, I've got cirrhosis of the liver. And he's diabetic and he, he got this condition and he'd not realised it. And he got he was also suffering at the same time as I was, but his was a lot longer. He'd, mm. he'd been suffering with, um, with cirrhosis for about 10 years. Oh, shit, and he didn't yeah. know. Well, he kind of knew. No, what happened was is, here's something for you. When your liver starts packing in, mm. it can't distribute the blood through a certain part where it's dead. So okay. it has to find other ways to, set, to filter the blood through. So right. it goes into your spleen, but it also then uh, swells up your, your spleen, but it also starts backing up. And therefore, you, there's a main vein up your esophagus, mm. and that starts to um, kind of become varicose, varicose, oh, right. right? And it's really prone to rupturing. 
and you don't realise it. You don't know you've uh, you're having an internal bleed because you can't feel it's it. Right. It's a really dangerous thing, and a lot of people who've got cirrhosis only find out when that ruptures Shit. and they're laying on um, on an hospital bed, yeah, trying to be uh, brought back to life. And he uh, went out on a Christ- uh, on a wedding do. Uh, a mate of his jokingly punched him in the chest, uh, not maliciously, no, but no, just no, like just mucking, around. just mucking around. Thought nothing of it. He were on the train going back, and he just felt absolutely shocking and collapsed, and you know, like uh, spewing blood up. So he rushed him to hospital, and that's what had happened. He ruptured his um, holy shit. Spin, and that was when they he found out that he got cirrhosis. So his life changed, but a lot further back. Yeah, yeah. So we were both going through the same journey now together. Whereas I was right at the very beginning mm. of mine, but not appreciative of how damaged I was. Yeah, you were still having the tests and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still having tests and uh, I was, like I say, I was two years away from a transplant and he'd already been living 10 years right. with it. And I, so I was thinking, well, Sean's had cirrhosis for 10 years. Mm. I'll be another 10 years before I need a transplant. That's how it right, works. But yeah. I wouldn't appreciate how damaged my liver was. But unfortunately, his health um, deteriorated rapidly from when I met him yeah. to the point where he were in hospital and waiting for a transplant. But because he was diabetic, he ended up getting uh, infections in his leg, so he ended up having to lose his leg. Fuck. And he got septicemia, and so therefore he weren't getting he weren't getting any fitter and better for an operation. Because right, yeah, yeah. the kicker is, with any transplant, you've got to be fit enough to endure to, it. To, right, yeah. And so there's this finite window with transplants where you're well enough mm. also sick enough oh, to have oh a transplant God. because yeah. it's, it's it's there for the one who needs it the most so that's where you're at the top mm. of the list if you're the next person that needs it but you've also so you've got to be that ill yes but you've got to not be that ill to not so be able to survive the operation it, yeah. and know that you're onto a winner and he fought and fought and fought to be able to get to the point where he could have this operation, even after having even his, after his, leg, his leg were amputated and he'd, he'd got all this, the, the the blood disease. He managed to get him to a point right to where he could get his um, his, his transplant and unfortunately ended up contracting a, 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 an hospital bug. No, right well, MRSA or something yeah, like that, yeah. Right at the point where he's supposed to be having that transplant and he never survived it. Oh, God. He never survived it. And so, unfortunately, my, my mentor, the, he was an incredible person as well because his positivity was just so inspiring. Mm. It was amazing. You know, he was a photographer and he refused to let anybody know that he were ill because right. he wanted to support his family okay. right up until yeah. that point where he, he got the operation. He had it planned out. It was incredible. He would. He was still taking photographs. He was still at the point I would visit him in hospital. He got his laptop on, <laughs> on the bed, editing photographs and sending them off, and still not telling people. The, no. A few close friends knew, obviously, in certain ways. Wow. But he, he just didn't want to lose uh, uh, any opportunity to make any money for his family and, right, and to keep them course, going. Yeah. And lose uh, getting any work because obviously it's very incredibly competitive yes. in the world of photography. So he knew that, and he planned it out. He said, "Well, it's going to take me six weeks to recover, so I can just say I'm on holiday. I can say I've just had a little bit of an illness, but I'll be back soon." Wow. So he kept it to himself, but he kept so positive, and that that That's that workforce that he, he he had infected me, and it made me understand how I was to treat yeah. uh, life. Uh, with with cirrhosis and and this kind of life threatening illness, was to treat with positivity and not to give up and keep going. So I I I, I too carried on working really hard. Oh, yeah. Didn't make it public just until uh, close friends, but just made sure that 
I could function as, as yeah. well as possible all the way through. But it was really, really inspiring. So when, 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 I, when we lost uh, Sean, it was devastating, obviously, uh, to lose him. But I also lost that mentor and, and, and it also made me realise how fragile, how fragile yes. my condition was because well, now it really was a wake-up wake up call to know that... Um, I may not. I might not survive my illness and get a transplant in time. And uh, about a year later, I, I fortunately got an opportunity to get the transplant. So I knew I went to waste that opportunity. Yeah. That if I did end up on the operating table and come back out of it, that were it. It were all guns blazing, yeah. sort of thing, and, and be really positive. So I, I'm forever. It's forever with me. Is is Sean as is uh, Mark my uh, my liver? <laughs> that's a beautiful. Uh, yeah. That's a what a beautiful yeah. thing to come from something. It is so it devastating. Was, it, was, it was devastating. It really was for his family, obviously, and just just that like that close bond mm. that I had through the same kind of uh, mentoring that he gave me, and just how he was as a life force as yeah. much as anything else was incredible. See, so inspiring. Yeah, me. Mm. Which there's been a, there's a couple of people I've met in my life like that, and I'm so grateful that I've met them. Mm. Just to just to make me like Michael Smiley, who was on. I don't know if you know. Yeah, that, he's actor. a great bloke. What a dude. Yeah, I, I knew him. I've known him in a few years, and he he came on and I, and I wanted to because I'm always forever saying Michael Smiley changed my life. Michael Smiley changed my life. <laughs> And I wanted people to hear how he is yeah. for me to go see. That's what that's what he's like. <laughs> it just even though he's had his struggles and he's gone through some shit, yeah. he still pushes positivity out mm. into the universe. And you're like, fuck! I wish I was because <laughs> sometimes you know, like this week, I said when I got here, I'm like, oh, it's been some shit, and I had my phone nicked, and mm. just basics, trying to find, just trying to get to the address and. It'd be so easy to go fuck this. I'm not <laughs> fuck the podcast. Yeah. Fuck comedy. It's all bollocks. And then you, someone like that that yeah, has yeah. been through something, actu an actual thing, and they still maintained yeah. a level of positivity. Is, yeah, and that's a, it's got to be that as well, though, for me, anyway. I, mm. I, I'm really, really blessed in one respect that I don't suffer from depression. So I haven't got that to fight. No. My, my wife suffers from bipolar, and so I, I live with, with her depression. Mm. And know how, we, how what we what we go through, and so that's why I'm so blessed that I don't suffer from depression because I know that I can be positive. Yes, for both of us, which is an incredible strength. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I, I'm looking in that respect that I I, I I can be positive because it's a natural mm. uh, instinct for yeah, me. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't I don't have to question it. No. And it's the only way that I can deal with life. It is through positivity because we've been through. As a couple, we've been through um, poverty. We've been through uh, legal issues with um, a previous manager where I had to fight him tooth and nail to get out of a contract, and right. we've survived that. We've survived all sorts. we survived homelessness and oh, okay. uh, illness, obviously. Yeah. We survived in Jane's own personal uh, very hard struggles with, um, with bipolar till, till the point where she got the right medication because that's one of the interesting things isn't it with bipolar uh, is finding out A, the diagnosis of bipolar yeah. and then finding the right tablets yes. to go with that yeah. so you're almost really backing down because we were talking 28 years ago when I first met her and she got bipolar and it wasn't even called bipolar wasn't even yeah there wasn't a thing no it, 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 you were clinically depressed yes or you are manic depressed yeah 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 but you you know you get to a point where like Jane was almost catatonic with 
with it, you know, she wasn't just the wrong bed. Pills. She wasn't able to function at all. So then you're into these crisis management centres trying to get these, and you're on lithium and all kinds of these Fuck. pernicious, pernicious medicines, trying to work out where it is to get get Jane working again and getting back on her feet. And then you're going through all these series of different ones, pros like uh, ones that are banned now, all of them yeah, for yeah. years and years and years and years. And then you get to the final one, you get this point where. You get a diagnosis, actually what you've got is bipolar and you need these kind of tablets now. So you get these kind and you've got to wait beyond for six months to see if they oh, work. If they don't work, oh you have to God. come slowly. So you've got this ridiculous yeah. cycle of all these sort of tablets. But now we're on a, we're in this period in her life where the tablets are working, Fantastic. they're balanced and she's, you know, she's absolutely, you know, functioning perfectly, fantastically, brilliantly. She she hate, she hates them. Yeah, we yeah. <laughs> she yeah. Them them. <laughs> and I totally understand and agree with her because she's such a creative person and such a wild light wild fire. When 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 she was um, uh, going through a, a, the the manic eyes and we didn't realise we were manic eyes, mm. we were having the house decorated every week in a different <laughs> colour. We were amazing, but we didn't realise what it was. We didn't understand nah. it. Just not did not understand what that was. But it were great, you know. And everybody yeah. like, like used to laugh at us because every time they come to see us, they were a different colour on walls and it like. And it was brilliant, uh, but someone I was talking to recently, and they said his dad's like that. And I can't. Remember, oh, I wish I knew it yeah. was. If they're listening, I'm sorry. Yeah. But he, he, like his dad, would ring him at three a.m. and go, "We'll go buy a boat. Uh, uh, <laughs> go and buy a boat yeah, at three a.m." Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. the thing is, is Jane's bipolar was the reason that drove us to where we are now at this moment in this in this living room. If it wasn't for Jane, we wouldn't be. And for two reasons, one is I knew I had to look after her, mm. so I couldn't have a full full time job. I couldn't suddenly become a store manager because there were certain periods where I'd have to yes. take time off to look after her when she couldn't function. Yeah. Uh, so that meant I had to find a, a career where I could be working for myself or work minimum hours and then work for myself. Yeah. And the other one was her, uh, her fearlessness because of bipolar. Right. Because the when you've got bipolar you don't you don't sense um, anything tragic in a sense I don't know how to explain okay. I can't so there's no sort of sense of fear or, or better yeah, not do that I'm gonna that's right yeah, yeah that's the one yeah you could call it reckless I don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was like when uh, I said right um, I've we sold these paintings now and I've got I had £6,000 in a sales and potential um, mm. commissions so I'd not got it fully so I got a few more pieces to paint for people but it meant that we got like this six grand okay and six grand were what we were living on yeah uh, as a um, a benefit kind of thing so I said should we jack it in and see how far we go wow and, she, and, and at that point her, her dad had just passed away and so I really needed to look after her yeah so I really yeah. couldn't work no uh, anymore so what we did, we substituted the Tesco job that I had. I was working at Tesco for four years. So we said, we'll keep the working tax family credit going, mm. but we'll, yeah. uh, we'll jack <laughs> Tesco's in. Yeah. So that's it, grand. We're basically going to keep us going. Fuck. For that year. Yeah. So I'll get, I'll get the two together. We'd, we'd, we'd be living off that. Yeah. So I went to Tesco's that next day. I said, no, I'm packing it in now, thanks. And that we're it. We'll see how long it goes. And 
15 years later, I've still not applied for Tesco's. Uh, <laughs> but that's my, that's my yeah. go-to now. If I've got a Tesco's job application for me, I know my always going to so. Yes. <laughs> I think you'll be all right. Uh, I think you'll be all yeah. right, man. But yeah, so, so James, we are James uh, Bipolar. We wouldn't be where we are today in, in, an ob- in a bizarre way. Yeah. What an incredible mm. way of looking at it all. Really incredible. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. And you're having to deal with, you know, bipolar is... That's especially when it's done, you know, the diet, the diet, the diagnosis and the medication's wrong. Yeah. So you're sort of dealing with a fire with a box of fireworks. And there's a match in there somewhere, but you don't know what it, what's going to happen. <laughs> Very much yeah. so, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're we're, we're fortunately now we're uh, we're in we're in a stable period, and it's fantastic. And Jane's a wonderful, wonderful woman. Mm. And, We'll be sorted with each other, so that's beautiful. That so that's the yeah. thing, you know. And it's, it's important, I think, for for Jane. I was her lifeline. I, I I accepted her for every every kind of uh, thing that she is and what the bipolar brought to our relationship, and stood by her and sat next to her and and, and looked after her when she needed looking after, mm. and she looks after me when I need looking after, and we're a great little team. And it. It's it's really really difficult for people who uh, look after somebody mm. or are partners with yeah. someone with with say with bipolar. I can't I can't relate it to any other illness or condition. It's the only one that I. Mm. It's not. It's my reality. Yeah. And we, as partners, live that that bipolar. Mm. We live with it as as uh, in in one aspect. Right, yeah. we, we can't hide from that, and we 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 can't sort of pretend it doesn't exist, and we can't. Uh, we have to be okay with it. We have to be okay if we get shouted at. Yes. We have to be okay, if uh, uh, other things happen within that, that relationship that you can't handle, not handle. You can't. Um, it's hard to explain, but you, you're having to. Forever make exceptions. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You have to go. Okay, that's that's all. Yeah, right. yeah you know, we, we'll get over that. And in the morning, there might be another different Jane I wake up yeah, to than yeah. the one that went to bed with, and wow. stuff like that. And you, and you get used to that, and you get you understand that. But you, it only works if you're absolutely besotted by each other. Yeah. Or you're, you're, you're in you both have an you, understanding. You understanding, yeah. and I, you know, just I'm lucky to to know Jane, and it's it's great that we're you know we're we're in such a strong loving relationship and. I, you know, I know how tough it is for people who who are in a relationship with someone who is is bipolar and, mm. and they're struggling, and you just need to be, you know, that, and that strong bond is, is absolutely vital yes. for that relationship to, to yeah. keep existing because it's such a it's such a brutal uh, condition to have bipolar. It really mm. is. It's it's unforgiving at times. Really. Yeah, but absolutely. But she's. Well, I don't really know a lot about it. I don't no, know. well, yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult one because obviously you've got. If it's unmedicated, then you've got these extreme. You can have these extreme highs, which is just basically the, the mania, euphoric. So, yeah, you, yeah, the, the, you're euphoric, and you know things get get done, and there's a, there's the vitality and vibrance in that person is is you can't match it. Mm. And then the crushing lows, you, again, you can't relate to those. You just got to be there and you need to see them. And, not, and there's nothing you can do to get them out of can, it. Absolutely nothing. It has to be just a case where the the, the brain sort of refocuses itself, mm. rebalances, and then over a slow period of time, taking care of them and and whatever, and just keeping them within that little safe pocket yeah. of existence because um, you uh, the the their life some their 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 reality can be quite narrow in some respects yeah, where yeah. they know certain people they don't mind being with in others 
in groups they can't handle and therefore going out in a really in a situation can be mm. quite tough so you end up saying no a lot of the time to going out places and uh, as long as people understand that you're fine but then again you get to a point where you say well Saddam if they don't understand it we'll yeah, carry on of course. and so you, you, you're ever making these minor adjustments just so that they they can navigate through yeah through, so you kind of in that little cushioning them from that that sort of thing yeah. yeah and you know taking phone calls and making phone calls on their behalf and things like that 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 can be in its extremes but you, you're just there as this little like buffer mm. to keep them yeah. um keep them in that in, in that you know in that, that safe environment in this yeah. little uh bubble in a way yeah because you love them and you want them you want do the best yeah that's it yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's amazing <laughs> that's so amazing yeah. that you've got that so i know because i think communication is the key isn't it like you, yeah. you you've got you yeah. talk to each other yes yeah whereas yeah. a lot of, Some, yeah, a lot of couples right. don't well they don't and, uh, well even sometimes if we if we if we fail to uh, communicate with each other, that there is a seismic uh, conclusion to realizing yeah. that you need to book your ideas and start looking after a bit better. <laughs> you still find out if you're not doing it right. And have you got have you got other people you can talk to? Like when it gets, sometimes you just need to just. No, it's not even. You're not moaning or anything. You just need to go and just have a moment. Just, I, I, yeah. I do have mates and stuff obviously in band and that but I don't really do that I don't no. I don't have that kind of sit down and have a chat with someone about I keep it me and Jane keep it in our own little world in yeah. a sense we we fight for each other and yeah, uh, therefore cool. it keeps within we keep yeah, it within don't. that she's she's not great about expressing it with her mates so um, you know like she, a, a couple of close friends of hers and so they understand and, and now they're getting more and more used to what Jane's about and everything like that and I keep it with myself really and mm. I'm, I'm fine with and that, fine I, that I, don't, yeah. I don't find any need really to sort of no. to uh, um, kick off a bit and just let it no because you accept it and you're doing yeah, it yeah, and yeah I just keep it yeah, yeah. It's, it's all part of what no, it is it's not like it's against your will is it you're no, doing no, it because no, you want to do no. it so yeah. I, I, don't, I don't find I have a need for that no no no. I mean, this is the first time I've actually talked to anybody about it, really, to be honest with you. It's fantastic. I'm, <laughs> I'm really pleased you have. Because people that listen to this, what they, they like I said to you when I got here, the conver- I don't sit here with a load of questions. No. It's literally just a conversation, like you would in a pub. Yeah, yeah. And then wherever it goes, it goes. And then whatever people take from listening to this, mm. that's, that's what they'll take. Then so... Someone listening to it who's who's got you know who's in that situation might go oh right, okay that's interesting, but it's true and it bipolar's not it wasn't around when we were kids no it wasn't around no, that. No. It, it existed but not not didn't know what it was called that's yeah. It. yeah yeah that's it yeah, yeah. bipolar's a very new thing isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> and I think a lot of men are a lot of men a lot of people well, people are now they are learning how to communicate a bit more yeah and realizing again like you don't you know do you want to be right or do you want this to work so yeah people are going actually this is i'm feeling this and oh, yeah, well, i feel a bit like that actually and there's a bit of especially with men nowadays yeah i think men are getting men are starting to get better at mm-hmm. it it's still we've still got a long way to go yeah i think you and i i don't know i'm just going by what you've said i mean you and i are very lucky to have parents that sort of encouraged it Mm. Yeah, they, they were like you know you're an artist and mm. and, and my mum and dad kind of they were a bit they didn't you know I mean they they, they my mum was definitely going oh, you've got to get a job and then you've got <laughs> it doesn't matter what job just get a job so there's no mention of career or go and do what you want to do but my dad was always a bit more whatever you're doing you do it 
as long as you're mm. paying your bills and the kids are fed and yeah 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 so yeah, there's yeah. been a bit more so Sweet, yeah. which is why I'm a comedian I'm, I've sort of allowed it to be yeah, so cool. we're lucky but I know a lot yeah, of people yeah. don't have that no that's true actually yeah I mean uh, my dad never necessarily openly said uh, I want you to do this and I want you to do that so that's great he didn't mm. expect me to work in a, in fact I notoriously once when he came in from working nights um, and were looking after me because my last my mum when I was seven oh from, wow she had uh, bowel cancer and it was quite sudden right as well from the diagnosis to her passing were like months and so I lost my mum and so my dad had to bring me bring me up and my uh, eldest uh, my middle brother Harry and uh, my dad suddenly had to kind of look after us and learn how to cook because yeah, he was real okay. he was he was the most classic working class person you've ever met in your life typical he worked, yeah. he worked uh, nine to five or he worked shifts and when he weren't working shifts, you were either having his tea, falling asleep in the city, or having a pint somewhere. You know, that Just a bloke, proper man. Absolutely, yeah. They weren't good, really, in some respects. You know, they should. We weren't now, hopefully. Yeah. Not with that. No one's tolerating that anymore. No, no, uh, no. But that's where it was. And then suddenly, when Mum passed away, it was this kind of seismic. Well, I've got to learn how to mm. cook and uh, look after my, my sons and stuff like that. So neighbours rallied around, and my big sister did, and taught him how to make Sunday dinners and the most perfect gravy on earth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday roast gravy. Absolutely beautiful. So so he, 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 learned, he learned to just sort of uh, bring us up. But when I started, obviously, oh yeah, so so this, notoriously one morning I were getting up for school to have my weeds and bakes and he'd just come in from work and I don't know, kids grumble at their parents mm, all the time, don't yes, you? No matter how, yeah. how perfect they might be, that you still find a fault in them. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and notoriously said, I'm never going to do what you do, Dad. I'm never going to work in a factory like you. Yeah. Just kicked off like that. Shit, yeah. I always yeah. remember doing that. I always remember kicking off at my dad like that. And it's true, I, I worked in a factory when I was 16, but it weren't a steel works. It was like a kitchen factory, a bit more. Right. <laughs> but uh, I, did, I did end up working, but I, I, made, it in my, I made a decision that we're going to make a, in a sort of creative manner. Yes. And I thought it was going to be in pop music when I was 16. I fell in, obviously, with music around. Yeah. The real love was like kind of performing and being in bands and stuff. So I thought it was going to be that. And five years down the line, we went on top of the pops and we went even, we were only playing to 50. 15 people in a pub yeah. so it had to go and then that's when the art kicked in and I just devoted my life to trying to make it in art but my dad used to take me to galleries and stuff without me realising that he was really encouraging me yeah. to, uh, to to yeah. to get into art because he knew I could uh, the, the one thing I could do more better than anything else I could do is draw right. I couldn't spell to save my life and I weren't that brilliant at maths or, or any other subjects I was shit at school but the one thing I was always getting good marks for were, were being creative. Yeah. So my dad would take me to, to the local garage and she galleries in Sheffield and really encourage me, uh, subliminally, yeah, without yeah, realising yeah. it, I guess. And then uh, later on in life, I understand that and I appreciated that. And so yeah. he did He did his best for me. And now you've got the best of both worlds. You're in a band and you're an artist. Exactly, yeah. Heavily yeah, pregnant yeah. brothers. Yeah, the, the, the band thing's hilarious because we all, every single one of us in the brothers, uh, were in bands when we were teenagers. Yeah, right. And we're shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> failed miserably. Though, funny enough, uh, one of them, uh, one of the band members, is actually in a in a proper band. 
and uh, called, called in, in the nursery. And they were really kind of popular in Germany and stuff. And they, oh, okay. they were in the early industrial music scene in Sheffield. So wow. they're, they're, they're sort of a known band in Sheffield in some respects, but are really well known in like kind of Europe and stuff. Mm. And then this other, the other band member played bass for a short while uh, with a band called All, All C&I. So we ended up being on tour and on top of Pops once. Yeah, so that rings a yeah, bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like a tiger. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's a tune yeah. with Tony Christie. Yeah, so he played bass on that. Oh, yeah. wow. But uh, in general, we're all shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then so we, we had as a dare, me and, me and Bales in band, just uh, one Christmas, got these two u- cheap ukuleles. £20 specials and learnt uh, Slade's Merry Christmas Everyone and played a Christmas party Brilliant. under the name of the Ugly Pregnant Brothers which he, he made up and so we did that and then uh, because I was getting known in the art world this one particular guy did this art fair so you've got to do that band you've got to do that band yeah. play play, play <laughs> at this uh, art festival I said no no, no I was going to take Mickey out of me I'm not going to do it said, no, 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 please Pete please said, fair enough I will do but I thought I'm not going to do that and make an absolute pillock of myself and I'm going to find someone who can actually sing so at least we've got something, something yeah. yeah so this this big lad uh, big show and he were doing this pop quiz in this pub and he were doing uh, like a pub singer version of, of songs you know, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah, well yeah. he's a big lad in his area He's, he don't mind standing up, and he seems to have got a good voice. I'll ask him if he fancies joining my band. So I said, yeah, do you want to join the, the ukulele band? Yeah, no problem, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> and from there on in, it sort of just morphed into this thing, and it was just nothing other than just going to play a couple of pubs. Yeah. And then we, we did the festival, and then we did Toby Foster joined us. That's it, yeah. yeah he was a yeah, member of the yeah. Pregnant Brothers for about four years, I think, or something like that. And he was great because he encouraged us to play a few more extra gigs and stuff and bring comedy more to the front. So we started playing the more comedy-oriented songs. Mm. We were going to just do cover versions, but we started doing parodies. And then people were bringing their mates to the gigs and more their yeah. mates were bringing their mates. And before you knew it, when we first, our first gig were in front of 40 people, we were playing in front of 400 people. And now we play, we, we sell out 2,000... Oh, see, yeah. Uh, see, venues, it's madness. It's, well, yeah. it's ridiculous. Well, I saw, uh, last time I was up at Christmas, and I was, we were in the Washington, yeah. and Nick Banks came through with his missus and everyone. Oh, yeah, Banks so, so, Oh, yeah, oh, forget about that. Banks is a drummer. Yeah. Band, and he actually plays in Pulp, so... Well, that was... Yeah, I was yeah. <laughs> so, <this is> <laughs> so, yeah. So Nick Banks from Pulp walks in, yeah. and I'm like, that's fucking Nick Banks from Pulp. <laughs> and they're all going, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, it's just Nick. And so yeah. I had a great chat with him, yeah. but... He'd just been from the gig and it was yeah. massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we tried to see you. We tried to see you three years ago, four years ago, maybe. Yeah. They were like, oh, they, they, it was in the, it was the daytime in a festival thing in a, in a pub in the town. Yeah. And I remember they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to see the lads. And we couldn't get near the pub. Uh, couldn't get near it. Yeah, we had yeah, to stand yeah. outside. Was it tram lines sort of It festival? might have been, yeah. yeah. It was. It yeah. was, yes. Yeah. And we couldn't get near the pub. And there you are. You played the bog roof. Yeah. <laughs> So it was. Yeah, they had a flat roof bog and uh, we played on that like the Beatles. <laughs> so we did. The great yeah. thing is we don't take ourselves seriously and that's the difference between when you're 16 in a band. Mm. It is important. Of course it is, It's yes. life or death. Yeah, if you're yeah, not in that yeah. band and you're going to be bigger than the Beatles, you're not worth being in a band. You might as well pack no, it in no. and be a shell stacker or something. But yeah, so if you're in a band, you, your main aim has got to be to be rich and famous. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I was like, and then, then what it does, it destroys you. It does sort of destroys you. You hate playing live. You're in front of four people. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing for your self-confidence. So 
fast forward another 40 years and then you don't give a shit. You don't give a shit. You're and doing it, it and then something comes yeah. back. <laughs> 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 You're smashing it. <laughs> Pete, this has been fantastic. Oh, man. Brilliant. Thank you very so much beautiful. for talking to Thank me. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, mate. Gorgeous. Insane in the membrane. There you have it. That was Pete McKee. He's a lovely man, isn't he? Really nice man. Very talented man. Um, I just, yeah, when I first met him, I just I just felt, I felt good in his company, you know? And, and it's nice when you meet people like that, that they're confident in what they do and, 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 and he was happy to, for me to go in his house and, and chat to him. It's really nice. So thanks for that, Pete. I really appreciate it. You can find Pete's work online um, and he's on Twitter and things like that. So do jump up and say hello. So, uh, um, yeah, uh, have a good week. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Try and enjoy it. Try and find something out there that brings you joy. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. It might be, I don't know, it might be listening to Bros Push. Do it. Just do it. Play it, play it loud and, and smash that shit out. Whatever you want to do, do it. And, you know, because that's what life's all about, isn't it? There's no real destination, I don't think. There's just the journey, you know. So wherever you can find to make that journey a bit more pleasurable, do it. You know, next week I'm joined by the mighty comedian Quincy. So join us for that. And until then, take care of yourselves and I'll see you next week. Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Made by Dark Horse Digital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production.